This is a prepaid call from Jesse Single, an inmate at the county correctional facility. All phone calls are subject to recording and monitoring. To decline this call press 9 now and to accept this call press 1 now. Thank you. Your call has been accepted. Jesse, you're calling me from prison? Yeah, how's it going? <sighs> How are you doing in there? Are you surviving? How's the food? Do they have vegan food for you? It's, it turns out it's awesome. Everything's great. It's so much better. Um, as people know, I violated a hippo, which apparently mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do. And I'm in jail and I don't have Twitter and I'm doing pretty well. Okay, so did you join the Latin Kings, the white supremacists, the Jew boys? What gang took you? This is going to surprise you, but so many podcasters have committed crimes that podcasters are the most powerful gang in this particular prison. I am surprised. I will say I am am surprised. Well, um, I appreciate that you called me collect. This is going to be taking, taken out of your uh, your cut of the money this month. But uh, yeah, so you're in prison. Mm-hmm. You left Twitter. Anything else new? No, I think that's a wrap for the episode. <laughs> It has been a week. It has been a week. And yeah, there's a lot to discuss. Much of it just having to do with social media toxicity, which is the reason this podcast exists. So I, I don't mind a uh, a little bit of a deep dive into some of what's been going on. I, I do think that uh, I'm sort of getting hungry for some like classic red meat, non-culture war internet controversy. Mm-hmm. So if folks want to email us some ideas on those front, we're all ears. I think our... Um, our basket is at different levels at different points and we could we could use some refilling and yeah bonus points if it isn't about culture war stuff just weird unknown internet stuff we should look into but for now for this episode we've got a lot to discuss yeah so we had prep for today we had an episode that had nothing to do with trans shit nothing to do with us shit that was just good old-fashioned weirdos on the internet and then more stuff happened. So we will be having some uh, some good old-fashioned internet bullshit coming up very soon. But before we get into all that, Katie, what is the name of this increasingly solipsistic podcast? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single. And before we get to our own bullshit, we have uh, a frequent occurrence on this podcast, which is a major underwear update. <laughs> we do. I don't know if this counts as a correction or just a, maybe a clarification. Uh, but in our last, we'll be we'll be brief. We'll be brief about our <laughs> underwear update. In our last episode, our last primo episode, this was a free preview. So let's just assume that everyone heard it and knows what we're talking about. But in, in that episode, I was in Utah, and Jesse, you made some, frankly, pretty disrespectful and I think downright ignorant comments about temple garment garments. Or as you call them, magic underwear, which is an undergarment worn by Mormons. Yes. And you, on the other hand, were very respectful, if not referential, toward this magic underwear. And you did not make any rude comments about the bulges of Mormon men. Jesse, I think saying that Mormon has a giant package is not disrespectful. I think everybody likes that. <laughs> if anything, it gives Mormon men the credit for their the credit giant they hearts. Anyway, we're off to a bad start at getting more respectful, but but continue. Well, it turns out that we have a number of Mormon listeners, surprise, surprise, and they all wrote in to educate us. And here's what I learned from their emails. First of all, don't call them Mormons. My bad. They don't like that. They prefer Latter-day Saints, which I agree has a nicer ring to it. Uh, and as for the undies, here's what one listener said. As a practicing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I always thought that the garments were mostly a way to enforce modesty when it came to clothing choices. If your clothes cover the garments, then you're good to go. This has helped me explain garments to people as something similar to the Muslim hijab. We just wear our version underneath our clothes. I appreciate that. As everyone knows, I'm a Muslim. I'm a hijabi. I'm wearing one right now. Uh, Mine looks like a a camo baseball hat, but it actually is a hijab. (laughs) Back to the letter. 
I think that the protection it offers is probably in that it protects you from having sexual encounters on a whim. If you have to explain your weird religious underwear to someone you're about to have sex with, I can imagine it would kill the mood pretty fast. So I guess that's like a a chastity belt kind of, but made out of cotton. Yeah. Technically, you also promise in the temple to be chaste, except for within your legal heterosexual marriage. So if your intention is to be unchaste, then you have to take off the garments that represent the promise you're about to break. This, I hate to bring Twitter back and everything. This reminded me of Twitter. That extra step where you have these complicated undergarments to undo if you're going to bang out, that reminded me of when I would, um, it doesn't remind me of anything involving me and sex because I've never done that. Seems gross, but it does remind me of when I tried to change my own Twitter password and hide it for myself to lock myself out of Twitter. So you can still get it into your own Twitter account if you do a password reset, but that's 30 seconds of fumbling and, you know, it, it instills some shame and humiliation. And so I, I think that's sort of the online equivalent of struggling out of your undies uh, is changing your Twitter password. Okay, wait, did you like change the password to something random? How were you trying to hide yes, it from I yourself? Copied, I copied and pasted it. To something random, <laughs> and then like reset burn the my paper. account. Well, I yeah, I forget exactly how I did it. Um, either I just didn't know what it was, or I put it away somewhere. But then, like, if I really wanted to get on Twitter, I could just reset it. It seems to me that an easier way to do this is just to forget your Twitter password, like I do daily. But back to the undergarments. Uh, at one point, I said that I tried to buy them at Target. This was a lie. I didn't try to buy them at Target. But we got a, a listener write in about that, and this person said. No, you can't buy them at Target, but you can get them at a nearby strip mall in the church-owned bookstore chain called Deseret Book. However, you have to bring your recommend card that is signed by your bishop and is verified in their online database to make a purchase. Yes, faithful Mormons are card-carrying members. He also adds, global supply chain shortages in 2021 even hit garment suppliers and the church implemented a five pairs limit per purchase. What if you're just like a total nerd and you go to your bishop and you're like, I need the magic underwear because I'm afraid of sexual temptation. And the bishop's just like, that's not going to be a problem for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you sound like you speak from experience, Jesse. I'd also like to add one more thing here. I genuinely love Mormons or Latter-day Saints or whatever they want to be called. For my actual in-person encounters with people from this group, they have just – they've always been incredibly cl- kind, lovely people. Also, I follow a bunch of super hot, blonde, Mormon, LDS, whatever, influencers who live in Hawaii, and they post videos of their kids on Instagram for a living. And there's so much about this that would be considered absolutely problematic. Like they exploit their children by putting them on Instagram and making money off of it. They live in Hawaii. They don't have <laughs> they don't seem to have encounters with any actual native Hawaiians. There's no land acknowledgments. They have they're just like blissfully unaware of this. There's such a joy to follow. And I also like that they don't drink alcohol and yet they have these like sober parties where they're all laughing until they're peeing themselves, peeing their their uh, their undergarments. It's very refreshing. I love these people. I do think that Mormons should be cooler about both furries and gay marriage, though. Yes, the two the two civil rights battles of our time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, I disagree with so many aspects of their lifestyle and belief system, but I was thinking about how much better life would be if we all, all acted just a little bit more Mormon. Like, we made fun of their church and belief system and their underwear, and their response was just to write us very polite emails being like, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast. I just want to clarify a couple things about my undies. Um, but just to increase the probability we'll start some sort of holy war, can I contrast their reaction to how some other Christians have responded to our podcast? All right, sure. This is an occasional thing. It hasn't happened that often, but it's always jumped out at me. I might have even mentioned it before. We've gotten a handful of complaint emails over the years for how we've treated Jesus. 
Um, now, as a Jewish man, this isn't new to me. Uh, we've made some Jesus jokes. I don't even remember them, but this has always bugged me because it's like, what haven't we made fun of on this podcast? We've made Jew jokes, Holocaust jokes, <laughs> anti-lesbian jokes. Um, Katie, as I know from the last few days I spent on Twitter, you're basically a one-woman hate crime fest when it comes to non-binary people. So apparently, it just doesn't make sense to laugh along with all these other jokes and then be like, oh, Jesus, you said Jesus was like hot or whatever. That's too far. I think you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, and to be clear, this is not what the Mormons were doing or the LDS folks were doing. They just sent us friendly emails and friendly emails are always welcome. Plus, Trace is a former Mormon. Basically, we're basically family by association. Yes, our podcast is um, Mormon influenced. Another interesting thing about Mormons is that they are really big into genealogy, like they own Ancestry.com. I don't know why this is. Maybe it's so they can posthumously. Wasn't this a thing? They were like posthumously. Oh, my God. Holocaust victims. Yeah. yeah that's not cool either, Mormons. The gay marriage thing, the posthumously Mormonizing <laughs> Holocaust victims. I don't it's know. It's like when people posthumously trans uh, butch women. Mormon. Posthumately? Posthumately. <laughs> Posthumously. Hold on. P-O-S-T-U-M-A-T-L-E-Y. Katie Herzog, neologism. You cannot even spell the word. Say the word Hannah. Give me a fucking break. This is like when people posthumously, (laughs) did I say it right that time? Uh, Trans, butch, lesbians. Mormons do this, but with people like Anne Frank. But actually for a good cause. They just want them to be in heaven, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with it. You guys can posthumately do whatever you want mormons <laughs> look you're just they're just hedging their bets you don't know if it's a if it's a jew heaven you don't know if it's a mormon he- heaven whatever and honestly which heaven would you rather be in jesse like a bunch of people kvetching or a bunch of people i don't know helping others what do you think i bet jewish heaven has a lot of like manischewitz and dancing but also like mommy issues and argue i would not do well in mormon heaven not i'm not gonna lie i'm sorry mormons don't don't posthumately <laughs> baptize me or whatever. I, I I think just because I grew up in such different circumstances, your heaven would be boring to me. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like my heaven would be crappy for you because you can't drink and you're not sad and stuff. But I just think we have different heavens and we should leave it that way. I believe in heaven segregation is what I'm saying. Well, I will not see you because I will be in Muslim heaven. <laughs> no, I'll oh. be in Muslim heaven <laughs> with my 72 virgins. Uh huh. Well, the, the, <laughs> this remains the most underdeveloped and unexplained <laughs> part of Barpod Canon. There's like a veritable wealth of literature and references on like horse fucking, but the Muslim thing we've just run with it without explaining it all. But let's just let's just leave it that there. I'm a convert. It's what's there to explain? Very little. Um. Okay. Is that enough for underwear updates? Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. So we're going to talk about Twitter, Katie. I now speak to you from a position of heightened moral clarity. In prison. I am in prison, nonetheless. I am more than ever before. I am better than you. That's because I left Twitter a few days ago. I shut down my account. All right, Jesse, before we get into the details, for anyone who didn't listen to our last Primo episode or the preview of our last Primo episode, what's the really, really short version of what led up to this entire controversy? I mean, I would ask them a question, which is why they aren't a primo. That's ridiculous. Great, great question. Great question. That being said, uh, the real, the really short version, huh? Um, Jamie Reed. <laughs> so, Ten seconds. Go. <laughs> Jamie Reed's a whistleblower. Jamie Reed uh, is someone who worked at a gender clinic at Washington University of St. Louis, and she sought whistleblower status through the state of Missouri, as you told me to pronounce it. Yes. She was a. Um, 
case manager there, and she said she saw a lot of really egregiously bad practices in which she claimed kids were sort of rushed into medical treatment without sufficient care. I got in contact with her, and I've published two articles about her on my Substack. One was a critique of two articles that came out that were widely seen as having debunked what she said. I, I called into question some issue with the reporting. Folks can read it. Um, between the first one and the second one, I announced on Twitter that I was leaving. This was March 9th. So the day after that, I published the second of the two I've published so far. Uh, this focused on one particular gla- claim from Reed's affidavit. Uh, I'll just read this this one paragraph of the affidavit. One patient came to the center identifying as a, quote, communist attack helicopter human, female, maybe non-binary, end quote. The child was in very poor mental health and early on reported they had no idea their gender identity. Rather than treat the child for their serious mental health problems, the center put the child on cross-sex hormones and ignored the child's obvious mental health problems. The child subsequently reported that their mental health actually was worsening once they started the cross-sex hormones. People freaked out at that because they're like, oh, uh, heli- the helicopter meme's a joke. I, I identify as attack, hol- attack helicopter's a joke. She didn't get the joke. Um, so, folks Or they, was, not that they, she didn't get the joke, but that she made this or up. Or she made it up, right. Opinion right. varied. There's been a lot of switches of, of what people are uh, claiming. So I sort of got the story from her, and she told me some specifics about what happened. Uh, the language in question came from a referral letter from a therapist, and the response to this article, which I thought was definitely worth publishing because it, it was her going on the record in much more detail than she had. And I, I did give the hospital a chance to respond. I, Unsurprisingly, they didn't, given their facing being shut down. Reed wants them shut down. Uh, the response was to accuse her of a lot of HIPAA violations or patient privacy breaches. Um, which and is, you. And me. <laughs> right. So, so it was misguided. Which is why you're in prison right now. That's why I'm in prison right now because, right, a lot of people said I violated HIPAA. Uh, they spelled it H-I-P-P-A, which is a misspelling. Mm-hmm. I can't violate HIPAA. I'm a journalist. Uh, I'm not subject to HIPAA. HIPAA. <laughs> <laughs> Can you violate we, uh, HIPAA? <laughs> we will rewrite HIPAA to make it more fan journalists. <laughs> um, it was just real online insanity. And it coincided with my pre-planned Twitter departure. So great timing. As I pointed out in a little Substack <laughs> post I did announcing my departure, one of the weird things about leaving Twitter, if you have a lot of followers, is it immediately invites feverish speculation about why you left Twitter. Because of course no one could just leave Twitter. That's crazy. It's the greatest place on earth. Right. So what happened was I left Twitter and um, a bunch of people began to speculate. But you, my faithful friend slash nemesis, you kept a very close eye on what was happening after I left Twitter. I think weirdo sidekick. I think that's what uh, that's the official term now. Thank you, Sam Cedar. <laughs> freakish, freakish weirdo sidekick. Yeah. Anybody who is interested in the details of this, check out Jesse's reporting. We will put links in the show notes or uh, go ahead and listen. Well, don't. don't. If you read it, that's a HIPAA violation. You're going to jail. So. <laughs> Jesse, this is a very expensive collect call. This is really – I'm taking this all out of your paycheck. But yes, I was watching what happened. Why don't we start the Twitter-focused remainder of this podcast by explaining what happened Wednesday morning, the morning after I deactivated? What were you seeing on Twitter, Katie, that caused you to text me so rudely and repeatedly? (laughs) You were trending on Twitter, Jesse, and not just that. Was it because everyone was talking about how good my journalism is? (laughs) 
You know what it was? It was because everyone was so impressed that you left Twitter to protest Elon Musk buying the platform that it was just everybody just congratulating you. Look at this Twitter addict. He was so upset about what Elon Musk has done. He actually left. No. That is a that is an angle I hadn't thought about, which is think about all the people who are like, this is intolerable. Yeah. I'm leaving Twitter. <laughs> and they're all still there with links to their unused Mastodon accounts in their profiles. Yeah, you were trending. It was really bad. It was, uh, I saw there were a couple of the more egregious tweets was an editor in Philadelphia from an actual publication in Philadelphia. Name him. Name him. This is Philadelphia Magazine. Uh, Bradford something. Bradford Pearson. What did he say? What did Bradford Pearson say? He said that you and Jamie Reed, uh, who's the subject of your recent reporting, should be prosecuted. So he prosecuted. is the new president of the SPJ, which is the Society for Prosecuting Journalists. Nice. He's the reason I'm in jail right now. Uh, yeah. Bradford Pearson at at Bradford Pearson called for another journalist to be prosecuted, which is something I'm not going to lie. Can I make an embarrassing admission? Sure. I emailed him. And a couple of the top editors at Philly, I was just like, I've seen a lot of weird shit. <laughs> you CC his bosses, Karen. I, I'm a Karen. I've seen a lot of weird shit in my many years in journalism. I don't think I'd ever seen another journalist call for me to be prosecuted for my journalism. But I didn't hear back. And I believe, tap, 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 the thread is still up. Albeit with a lot of responses pointing out that maybe it's not good to call for journalists should be, to be in prison. So one more time, that's Bradford Pearson at Bradford Pearson. Uh, calling for me to be in prison, but we can move on for that. Or sorry, prosecuted. Not a, Maybe he's just saying I should have a fair trial mm. where I'm subsequently acquitted. Mm. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Look, it is it is a ballsy move to come out as against the First Amendment as an American journalist, but he did it. <laughs> he did it. Uh, Congratulations to Bradford Pearson at P-R-A-D-F-O-R-D-P-E-A-R-S-O-N.com. Um, polite questions only to Bradford Pearson. Yeah, so uh, there was... A lot of stuff like that. Um, business waffles requested a free subscription. <laughs> Dude, I this is we're in such a quandary. Can we talk about our business waffles quandary? Yeah. If you go to, to business waffles Twitter account, and, and, and business sh- waffles is the person who started the massive pile on of you. Yeah, about claiming massive hip, massive obvious HIPAA violations on Jamie Reed's part. Listen, scandal is we're not. Yeah. So, um, the problem is. I want to make fun of Business Waffles. If you look at Business Waffles' timeline, us paying attention to Business Waffles is the best thing that has ever happened to Professor Business Waffles. Yeah. It's yeah. all they tweet about. So we're in a bind here because we want to make fun of this ridiculous account, but we're giving – this is going to be a theme today. We'll get to you later. We're giving Professor Business Waffles what Professor Business Waffles wants. So I don't know what to do. All right. You want a complete moratorium on, on all Business Waffles talk from now on? Can this – can we can – we, Yes, from this – well – We have a list of people who we will never mention again. We can put business waffles on it. Do we have that list? The list only has one – yeah, it only has one person on it. Who's that? I'll text you. We'll bleep it. <laughs> no, say it. We'll bleep it. <laughs> yes, that is a good <laughs> – I didn't realize we'd agreed to this. Okay, here's how the <laughs> here's how the business waffle moratorium is going to work. Right now, through verbal handshake, we're agreeing to never mention business waffles again, except if sure. we mutually agree to rescind the moratorium. That's fine. But either of us has veto power against further mentions of business waffles. <laughs> I'm going to say that name three more times because I do think it's funny. Business waffles, business waffles, business waffles. That's yeah. it. Business waffles was not granted a free subscription. Uh, no. If business waffles wants to hear us talk about she, they, yeah, she can actually just listen to this. She doesn't even need to pay. No. We're doing it right now. 
but that's it. No more mentions. We're passable. You literally cannot say the name anymore. Yeah. And so, uh, so in addition to uh, business waffles asking for charity. No, you, that's how oh, you just fucking said that's it. We're not mentioning the name anymore. How hard okay. is this? In addition to. Okay. How play- about this? When you want, when you want, when you want to say business waffles, say party waffles okay. as code. All right. In addition to party waffles uh, asking for charity, which seems anathema to the business of waffles. It's called it's called bootstraps, <laughs> party waffles. And the Philadelphia editor calling for your literal prosecution. Uh, you trended for a few days. There were some really fucking aggravating tweets. And, and the theme seemed to be that people thought that they had successfully bullied you off of Twitter. I have to say, I find this a strange thing for adults to brag about. It's odd. We got him, guys. We bullied him off of Twitter. And in fact, that is not actually what happened. But of course, that didn't matter at all. Yeah, the two the two prevailing theories I came across, and, and I still need to yell at you, which I'll do in a minute, that you even alerted me to any of this. One was that I left. I was leaving Twitter because I, I had committed such egregious HIPAA violations that I was covering my tracks by deleting my account. I saw that, which doesn't really make sense because the article where this happened, I, I left up because of course I did because I, I can't violate HIPAA. I'm a journalist. Um, and then the second one was that I was so embarrassed because I didn't recognize I sexually identify as an attack, attack helicopter is a meme right. that the shame drove me off Twitter <laughs> when the article in question mentions in like the third paragraph, this is a meme and we've talked about it on this podcast and I've written about it. So yeah, um, you are so fucking online. Like these people, they are clearly have no familiarity with your actual work. It was Wednesday morning and I had finally. Wait, wait, before you get into this, let me tell you one more. Yeah. One more theory. This one This one was a guy named Awful Day Trader. He's been in my mentions lately. Awful Day Trader, huh? He says, I'm sure being subpoenaed and deleting his account are two completely unrelated incidents. Subpoena, Jesse. Dude, I forgot the very best one. Let me pull it up. I sent it to myself. Um, so you've been you, – so what I'm taking from this conversation is that this whole time that you've been off Twitter, you've been on Twitter watching people say terrible things about you. No, no, no. I, this was – the evening of March 14th, when I shut down, I was like about to go meet someone at a bar for a drink. And I, I, I tweeted basically, or Tuesday night, I was like, um, you know, fuck, I didn't say fuck this, but fuck this. I'm just going to shut down my account now. I don't want to come back from the bar a little bit buzz scrolling on Twitter. I'm done with this. So I tweet that I'm going to shut down my account in a minute. Here, here's the last tweet I responded to. Before you deactivate, why don't you explain why you violated thousands of trans kids <laughs> medical privacy by sharing their information with a politician. <laughs> what the fuck? So the level of games, games of telephone upon games of telephone where the reality, which is that no names were shared because I don't have the names of any of these kids because Jamie Reed didn't share them because she's competent, whatever else you say about her. Before you do activate, why don't you explain why you violated thousands of trans kids' medical privacy by sharing the information with a politician? It was like it was like I was on the roof of an embassy where the insurgents had just overrun the American occupation. And I'm the last guy off the helicopter, and this is the last person like taking shot. It was like, it's so crazy. And yes, that was a very offensive analogy I just made, but... <laughs> no, it's just like that. I was mad at you, though, because the next morning, Wednesday morning, I woke up, I'm off Twitter, and you're texting me feverishly, basically saying that <laughs> no, yeah, you're saying no, I shouldn't no, have left Twitter no, and that no. I have to respond. You shouldn't have. That I have to respond to the idiots. No, that's not what happened. You were trending on Twitter. I really... Here, okay. I really think that leaving Twitter, not leaving Twitter for your own mental health, like it's fine that you're not on Twitter. I really think that deleting your account was a 
unforced error. I think this was a mistake. And there's a couple reasons why. First of all is because it gives people, these people who are lying about you, it gives them exactly what they want. It looks to them like they successfully bullied you off of Twitter. It looks like they won. It gives them joy. That Okay, so that gives them what they want. But the alternative in which inevitably I start angrily tweeting at them and one out of every six of my angry on tilt tweets contains some dumb little error or I don't phrase things perfectly and then they screenshot that and it's 5,000 more. That That's also giving them what they want. This is temporarily giving them what they want in the service of a greater good. No, I'm, I think it's fine if you're not on Twitter. I think I think it's fine. It's bad for this podcast, but I think actually it's fine. Like we have enough shit to talk about with Reddit and Instagram and TikTok, or whatever. You don't need- We can still talk about Twitter. We can, I can still yeah. read Twitter. Yes. Okay. But I'm saying deleting, not getting off of Twitter, but deleting your account- that's where you, you that's what what the mistake was and the other reason besides the fact that it lets these fucking assholes lie about you and crow about how they successfully drove you off of twitter ruined your career as the Harvard instructor, what's her face, said. <laughs> Alejandra Caraballo. Yeah, what did she say? I don't know. What ended up happening was I did an, another brief angry cathartic uh Substack post, which was probably one too many because in part because of your text, and the, the image was Alejandro Caraballo saying, did the identify as an attack helicopter joke just destroy Jesse Single's career? Absolutely legendary. So right. I'm no longer, right. it's like they're infants without object permanence. I'm no longer on Twitter. Therefore, my career is destroyed. I mean, I don't think that we should call people stupid, but this person is a fucking moron. Moron, fucking moron is okay. Stupid is offensive. Yeah. The other reason I think that this was a mistake on your part is because your Twitter archive is really valuable for fact-checking other people who are lying about you, lying about various things, lying about trans shit, people who are spreading misinformation, like the whole kale debacle, which we talked about on a primo episode. But I did a whole, I did a whole newsletter on it. I'll do a newsletter on anything important. Your newsletter does not matter what? to Twitter. It doesn't, I know, but that's Jesse, the point. I'm, that's the point. Twitter is a self-contained madhouse. I don't care about it. It doesn't matter. These people, because like every fucking record of that kale shit is gone from Twitter now. And so- No, they're not. They're they're all, again, they're, they're in, I did a newsletter. People are not going to reference that. Nobody's going to go fi- seek out your fucking newsletter. So you're saying Alejandro Caraballo will not be convinced of the righteousness of my cause? Like who, who, it doesn't matter. I'm saying that that entire archive of gone. So who benefits when you when you disable when you delete your Twitter account? People like Kale, people like Michael Hobbs, people like Alejandra. You can leave Twitter without deleting. But it's, it's all without deleting your page. But people can see the whole thing written out in a form that I want to maintain. Jesse, nobody is going to go to the fucking article. You are pretending as though this is how Twitter works. This is not how Twitter works. But I, no, but I'm, not. I'm rejecting the premise that I care how Twitter works. Who is convinced? Like, do you care about your reputation? My reputation. Is fine despite all the Twitter bullshit. It, Your reputation is not fine on Twitter. It's, it's not, not. fine. It's things seem to be going. You, who reads Twitter? Who reads Twitter? Cr- Editors read Twitter. Journalists read Twitter. But I don't. But I'm trying to. I'm still trying to understand at what point any of this has harmed my career in any way more important than uh, I. I do not think I can write an opinion column for Vice for 150. dollars It doesn't matter. It. <laughs> That's our divide. You still think it matters. It doesn't matter unless you make it Look, matter. Look, you could have like this. None of this had to happen if you had just, for instance, given me the tweets to your Twitter account. I would never give them back to you. Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine <laughs> if I gave you access to my Twitter account? Look, I would tweet only about 
your love of the French film Cuties from now on until the until the end of time. You would be <laughs> fine. You just like this was just an unforced error. You could have just fucking given the keys to me, given the keys to Trace, given the keys to your brother, given the keys to anybody. I I think you are giving. There's a whole set of rules on Twitter that morons make. Those rules include. If, if someone does a reply to you where they're dumb, you're not allowed to retweet it to draw attention to it. Why? If someone leaves, if someone leaves Twitter, they've somehow lost. Why? It, Alejandro Caraballo, I've looked at like, if you look at these people's feeds, you can see why they're crazy and why their followers are crazy. It's just pages after page of outrage content and toxic sludge and lies. And they're painting a version of the world that is much darker than they need to. And I don't want to be a part of any of that. And I don't need to. And I have a lot of work to do. I really do. That gets, I get distracted by Twitter. It's different because you don't, you don't have as dysfunctional relationship to Twitter as I do. I, I don't. But if I did, I wouldn't delete my entire account because I know what that looks like. It looks like you are surrendering. It looks like they win. And I know that's not what happened. I know that that's I, not what happened, but that's what it looks like to the outside world. Okay, but but just complete complete this thought. Alejandra Caraballo is interpreting this as a surrender. And then what's going to happen that's bad as a result of that? You're going to start trending on Twitter for three fucking days and hundreds of thousands of people are going to be reading bullshit lies about you. That's what's going to happen. I know but it doesn't th- – that was already the case. And if anything, if this is preventing it from being the case. And they've already moved on, a lot of them. Like I was looking at their feeds. They're, it's the next bullshit. It's the the Jamie Shoup – like it's – we'll talk about that. It's the Jamie Shoup shit. It's just I think my critique of your approach is that you're letting them set the terms of the debate. They do set the terms of the debate. There's more of them. They don't. No, everybody knows – Alejandro Caraballo is not. No, no. Everybody doesn't know that. Alex, Alejandro Car- Caraballo has more cultural capital than either you or I do. I, I genuinely think that's false. And I think that's exactly the problem that you think because she has more Twitter. So when people get mad at me or John Chait, every fucking new ping of like a snarky reply gets 400 likes. Why is that? Well, because people fucking hate you. No, it's because like the online weird left Twitter are the most obsessive online weirdos. All they do is tweet. Has Have things, are Chate or my careers threatened by this? Are we in any real trouble? Can I no longer write for the Times once every couple of years if I want to? I mean, it, it will be interesting to find out what happens. I have not seen very many people defend you. And in most cases, people do, like reporter friends, journalist friends do defend you. I have not been seeing that this time. It's too much. There's and and there's like so many fucking weird layers to this story that it's impossible to ang- untangle the whole thing. So even your your like you're put your, more your like frequent defenders are staying out of this one. I that what little bit I've seen people are defending me, and I also don't care. I told them not to defend me in the follow up post because it's pointless. What's going to happen if you engage with Alahad? The rest of the, we're going to be talking in a minute about your interactions with someone who is completely incorrigible and incapable of reason. At a certain point, if you keep going back for more with these people, especially. In a situation like ours, where we really can just take our ball and go home, there's no need for us to be engaged with this bullshit. A, you have not been on Twitter to see what people are saying. And I and B, my whole point is that it is fine if you are not- I have seen it. You sent it to me. You sent it to me. No, I sent you one screenshot that said that, that was your name that was trending. That's all that I sent you. 
I mean, and the, the other thing, as I mentioned, like your archive is valuable. It is valuable to other people besides just you. It is valuable to me. My archive has a lot of garbage in it too that, I, that I'm fine with like not. No. Sure, it does. Sure. It's fucking Twitter. Of course, there's a lot of garbage in it. But all of that is, is inaccessible now. And so when people are in other arguments and they want to cite something that you've said on Twitter, something that is truthful, calling somebody out, pointing out the facts when people are rampantly lying about you or about anything else, they can't do that now because you deleted your archive. But I've been doing it. It's been five years. I mean, we should move on to shoot. But I've been. it's been five years of people lying and of just, I think, to anyone with half a brain, um, the level of bad faith defamation here is so obvious. And also, there's been a recent uptick in the craziness as on the gender stuff, they, they have sort of been routed. I mean, their goal for a long time was that no one would talk about the youth gender medicine stuff in mainstream outlets. Every mainstream outlet is now onto this. And the reason for the backlash to the Times, which I think connects to all this, really, was because they've realized they've lost. The Times is going to keep covering this. Other outlets are covering it. Of course, Slate and Vice are going to be cowards about this, but they've they've lost. And I think that's why they're so mad. Just give me the keys. Reinstate your your Twitter feed and give me the keys. This is, can you, I just can't even imagine a situation where I'm letting you pretend to Give me the keys. Give me the keys. Katie. All right, everybody, <laughs> vote in the comments. Should Jesse give me the keys? Should we move on to housekeeping and then do the Jamie Shoot bullshit? Yes, let's do it. Katie. <laughs> with <laughs> Also, also of- <laughs> the worst fucking part about this is that I am generally pretty fucking good at staying out of Twitter fights. I like I have pretty good fucking Twitter hygiene. With you gone, now I'm the person who has to defend you. This is not how don't, I want to spend my time. Don't defend me. I can't look. Like- our reputations are inextricably linked. So if people make horrific allegations against you, like for instance, you didn't recognize the helicopter being, <laughs> I have to defend you. Uh, I I cannot be seen as being in a partnership <laughs> with somebody who doesn't understand the helicopter meme. I left. I left to. I left to transition to be a helicopter so I could fly away. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, moving on to housekeeping. <clears throat> with my recent decision to have left my platform of hundred forty thousand Twitter followers, other sources of income are more important than others. <laughs> Which brings me to blocktoreported.org, a wonderful premium subscription service where you can get three extra episodes of this podcast every <laughs> month. There's more than 10,000 premium subscribers, which is crazy. As you can tell, the five years of defamatory bullshit has absolutely destroyed my career and accidentally somehow um, I co-host a podcast with 10,000 paid subscribers, not rubbing it. I'm just saying that's the truth and it doesn't really matter. The Twitter shit. <laughs> it's almost 11,000. It's up there is what it is. But you know what? I, I ran the numbers, Katie, and now that I'm off Twitter, we need to at least quintuple that or I'm going to starve to death. He's wasting away, folks. I didn't want to say things this starkly, but I'm just being honest. So uh, if you're not... Skeletal. <laughs> has anyone who's seen a photo of me has can tell I'm completely malnourished. It's really bad. So I hope people will consider becoming a premium subscriber. We also have a merch shop at barpodmerch.com. At some point, we'll cycle in some new merch although we don't need to because what we have in there is just groundbreaking stuff uh you can also check out the reddit blocked and reported.reddit.com there was also a thread about me on destiny's reddit where brianna Wu made an appearance i highly recommend that it just we don't even it's just great uh anything else for housekeeping but let's post a link to that in the show notes yeah let me i'm gonna it's that good down. it's really good is that it for housekeeping katie anything else Blockchainreported.org. Please, Jesse needs friends. Actually, Katie, before we get into this, I just want to reemphasize uh, we are in the market for uh, ideas for non-culture, more crazy internet stories that we could really dig into. Uh, only real 
requirement. You already said this. No, I know. I'm just reemphasizing. Like we, we okay. really could use some. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh God forbid we get some ideas. Um, <laughs> blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. I think that's our email address. There's no way to check, but yeah, we just we want to find some weird old school stuff that other people haven't reported, and that would make for a good twenty or twenty five minute segment. That's the only real prerequisite. Other than that. Uh, all pitches welcome. So thank you. Okay, Jesse. Well, today I was going to have a segment for you on some drama in the historical costuming world. Nice. That, however, is going to have to wait. No. Yes, I'm sorry. Because Jamie Shoup is back. Jesse, does the name Jamie Shoup? Shoup, Shoup. Uh, <laughs> wait, is the song Shoup about, about Jamie Shoup? It is. So. It's actually about uh, Alyssa Shoup, which is what Jamie sorry, goes by now. Alyssa Shoup. Yep. This is naming anything to you. Yeah, uh, Alyssa Shoup. Uh, Nay, Jamie Shoup was a uh, detransitioner who was a source for some detransition stories and since retransitioned and similar to Kyle Shevers, that's the other name, right? Kai. And similar to Kai Shevers has since come out against the detransition community they used to be part of. Okay, yeah. Uh, story's over. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. That's it. Blockreport.org. Okay, so Jamie Shoup, well, Jamie Shoup, birth name, James, natal male, lives in Oregon. And in 2017, at the time, they were going by the name Jamie, and they became the first person. I'm going to switch pronouns with this person every t- – they have like – they go through all the different pronouns, and I'm going to use the pronoun that they were using at the time. Is that okay? You think that's acceptable? Uh, I don't think it's okay, I'm but I'm it. not on Twitter, so I won't experience any of the backlash. Okay, so they became in 2017 the first person to get a non-binary X marker on their driver's license, and this was a big national story. They were featured in the New York Times and many, many other outlets. And then a few years later, however, Shoup changes their mind, goes back to the name James, and comes out as a detransitioner with the pronouns he, him. Uh, He writes a bunch of pieces about how it was all a sham. Uh, The first one was published in the Daily Signal. That's literally the title of one of them. Uh, I was America's first non-binary person. It was all a sham. And here's a quote from a piece, another piece that he wrote. This one is called, My Life After Transgender Despair. New to identifying as a woman at that stage of my life, but indoctrinated by the peddlers of transgender ideology to believe I was one, I incorrectly believed that gaining access to female bathrooms was a human rights issue for me. I was wrong. In hindsight, it was all part of a selfish quest to nourish my long-held sexual fantasy of being a woman, a mental disorder called autogynephilia. Ugh, God. <laughs> do you want to do a little background on AGP? No. I mean, it, this is like a really controversial idea. There's some people who identify as autogynophiles, but it's basically – the idea is it's a paraphilia where you um, are aroused by the idea of being a woman. And this goes back to like Ray Blanchard and Michael Bailey and, and you know, the claim that a significant – Who are researchers, not AGPs. Not AGPs. As far Although, as we know. never know. I think they'd be open That's about true. it if they were. Yeah. Um, the theory is that um, – Trans women who transition later on in life uh, are often driven by this. And it's, you know, an idea the trans community really doesn't like because they view it as like unfairly sexualizing uh, a matter of identity. And I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't view the idea as debunked. I think there's a possibility that maybe it's been overemphasized. I do think some people pretty readily say, yeah, this describes my experiences. And I, I don't think it should be stigmatized to like, Talk about it if it's done in a fair and not cruel way. It is It is definitely weaponized by like genuine anti-trans activists who make sort of sweeping statements about trans women being perverts or autogynophiles or whatever. 
Yeah, there was a section in Alice Drager's fantastic book, Galileo's Middle Finger. She talks about Michael Bailey and what happened to him after he wrote a book about some of his uh, – some people that he encountered doing this research, many of whom were AGP or appeared to be AGP. And Alice talks about how activists wanted to move – trans activists wanted to move the narrative from the bedroom to the kitchen or the living room perhaps. Uh, make it make it seem like like transition – Trans-related issues, transsexualism, transgenderism is less about sex, less about a kink, and more about someone's identity. And they were very successful at uh, at changing the cultural conversation. Yeah. But Jamie Shoup, at one point, openly identified as an autogonophile. He wrote another blog post called Autogonophilia in Search of My Cure. Here's a quote from that one. My problem is a paraphilic disorder. That's it. It's not about gender identity. And he posts a photo of breast pump that he says that he kept in his office to indulge in this kink at work. No, nope, no, 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 no. Jesse, do you think that's what HR means by bring your whole self to work? (laughs) Okay, so I don't care what what people do in their own home, but the the, how – how would a breast pump work if if you're male and like don't have the equipment for it? Males can lactate without like pharmaceutical aid. Yeah, if you stimulate enough. Isn't this just as much of an urban? Isn't this an urban legend? No, a person I'm related to, I won't say who, but a relative who used to teach human sexuality would tell his students at the beginning of the semester, his male students, that if any of them could lactate just through stimulating their nipples, then by the end of the semester they'd get an automatic A. Nobody successfully did it. Title nine. Tiny <laughs> <laughs> do you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably a good thing he doesn't teach anymore. He really he got away with that? that can yeah. you imagine in oh, 2023? Dude. The shit that he got away with. He was a I think he was a very very good teacher because He married he married 10 of his students. <laughs> no, because he his I think his his attitude about teaching was that he was first an entertainer, which I think is what makes a good teacher. Regardless, uh, he had tenure. If he was in Florida in 2020, uh, all bets off. Okay, so Males can lactate. As far as I know, Jamie James Shoup never successfully did it. Uh, regardless, during this period where he's writing these blog posts about his kinks and talking about the transgender movement and trans ideology, and he becomes this militant anti-trans activist, going so far as to protest youth transition, so what he would now call gender-affirming care, by holding signs that say things like transgenderism mutilates children. That's still his twin his pin tweet on his Twitter account, which is inactive. But can, can I this is actually raises an interesting point because if you report on this subject and you talk to detransitioners or you talk to like quote unquote concerned moms, I think you're on safer ground if they don't talk about things in these sort of sweeping ways. So like transgenderism mutilates children is a bit out there, I think. And that's pretty different from being like, I have some concerns about the evidence or so I think there's like certain warning signs journalists should look for before quoting people. We'll get back to that. So after Jamie came out as a detransitioner in this uh, daily single piece Signal. Daily Signal is my new website. <laughs> so after her, Jamie Kate came out as a detransitioner in this Daily Signal piece, uh, I emailed with him. This was in 2019. Or I DM'd him. We emailed back and forth. I might have talked to him on the phone one time, although if I did, I don't have any memory of it. Uh, I never ended up writing about him because he was very clearly mentally unwell. 
I started reading the AGP stuff, his his confessions. He was really he was also really open about his own mental illness. He was seeking treatment for various disorders. I won't disclose them, but he did told me that'd be a HIPAA violation, right? He did. He sent me some information about his his diagnosis, and at one point he DM'd me. This is a quote. It's past time that a journalist such as yourself writes a sarcastic piece about how a bunch of states and do-gooders blew millions to put an X on a driver's license for a crazy person. Oy, oy vey. Yeah. Note yeah. that. Crazy person. And I don't feel bad about reading his message. This was a private message. I don't feel bad about it uh, because of what he did recently, and we'll get to that in a moment. So this person is not well. And one of the things that you learn to do as a journalist is to avoid using crazy people as sources. It's not just irresponsible, although I, I do think it is highly irresponsible and exploitative. You mean to sort of to sort of give them your amplification, which could which could hurt them or bounce back, redound back on them negatively. Right. And I'm not talking about like reporting on the actions of a crazy person. I think that's different. But if somebody is suffering from mental illness and you use them as a source, not only are you using somebody who is quite literally not in their right mind, it's also likely to come back and bite you in the ass. So I never wrote about Jamie because Jamie is crazy and Jamie told me he was crazy, but we were in touch a few times over the years. Well, since then, Jamie has retransitioned and is now going by the name Alyssa Shoup. And this week, Extra Magazine, this is a queer publication in Toronto, they published a long piece about Alyssa called The Making of a Detransitioner. Alyssa Ray Shoup was a weapon in the hands of TERFs and Christian conservatives. Now, over 2,600 pages of leaked emails help tell her story. So this piece is by crack reporter and old friend of the pod, Jude Doyle. Nice. My best man at my wedding. And this is based on private emails and other correspondence that Eliza gave Jude. 2,600 pages, as it says there in the subtitle. So, Jesse, before we get to what happened in this piece, we have to take a little detour. Did you see that Mother Jones article uh, from the last week or two called inside the secret working group that helped push anti-trans laws across the country? I read most of it. I I thought the framing was pretty bizarre. So the emails are useful if your goal is to understand conservative attempts to uh, mostly to ban youth youth gender medicine, um, which to be clear is something I've come out against for reasons I've explained elsewhere. Um, it's useful. There was a breathlessness and a conspiratorialness to it. Is that the word I'm looking for? Conspiratorialness? That's not a word. I don't know if it's a word, but it uh, it, it it's an apt description. Yeah. It, it, it sort of Look, the emails are interesting if you want to understand how they talk about this and the tactics, but there was like a man bites dog story because it who doesn't have email chains where like different folks with the same political goals talk and share strategies and encourage one another. It was sort of painted as this inherently nefarious thing. Now, I agree. I disagree with the policy. And there's some hardline social conservatives on here with like a history of being really against abortion and gay marriage and stuff. But it's just I, I, I thought the framing was weird. To be honest, what do you think? I totally agree with you. It's the article is based on a bunch of emails sent between conservative politicians, most principally South Dakota Republican State Representative uh, Fred Deutsch, and mostly faith-based groups that were working on legislation to end youth transition. So people on Twitter were acting like this was some sort of giant expose, and I didn't get that because the story is people who oppose youth transition working to end youth transition. That's it. That's it. It's just, it's weird. Again, I'm against the policy for a lot of reasons, and I actually think these laws have made it, it much harder to have a reasoned conversation on any of this. 100%. Much more. It's just, it's, it dropped a toxicity atom bomb in the middle of the discourse. But uh, there's, n- like, they're, they're conservatives. They have completely different values from us, right. and they're allowed 
to push for those values. So it was just, I don't know, my gripe is really just with the framing. And then online, there was a lot of people acting like this was some unbelievably unbelievable revelation. It was almost like they got like the reporter got a bunch of emails and was like, Ooh, secret emails right. and then had to pretend there. I'm, I'm not sure anything in there was that surprising or revelatory, but I, again, I, I read most of it and was underwhelmed. Yeah. Like there's not even, there's no turfs in there. There's no gender critical fem- feminist in this piece. JK Rowling wasn't emailing representative Fred Deutsch. So that, that's like that. So if you read those and it includes me or you right. folks who are say they're against these bills, in secret saying, no, actually, we like these bills. We're lying. That would be a story or like other more famous people. But it didn't have anything like that. It had social conservatives expressing socially conservative viewpoints. <laughs> Breaking. Breaking. <laughs> it's just like. Jerry Falwell like, opposing gay marriage. <laughs> there's just no there there. There's very but little there the, there. Yeah. But the piece quotes Alyssa Shoup, who, while she was in this detransition state, was working with Fred Deutsch and these other folks. Here's a quote from her. This is what she tells Mother Jones. It was like Deutsch assembled a team of Navy SEALs. We were all trained killers in a specialty. I don't know what that means. It just sounds like sensationalist. (sighs) Trained killers because they were seeking to pass laws. Okay. So it turns out that these emails, they came from Shoup. Mother Jones doesn't say this, but Shoup claimed credit on her blog for these emails. What's more... A hacktivist posted the entire trove of emails on Twitter, emails that he also presumably got from Shoop. And the people whose emails were included in this 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 hack or this leak were bombarded by furry porn and other nasty shit. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. So Shoop has been leaking emails like crazy. And now this is now the basis for multiple articles is is Alyssa Shoop. Alyssa Shoop is the expert here. Alyssa Shoop, who once again told me in a in a, in a DM that at he at the time is crazy. Direct quote, crazy. But well, hold on. I just want to separate out two different things. If taking Shoop's word for stuff is one thing. If Shoop happened to leak emails that are legitimate emails, it's like that's that's fair game for journalists to write about. No, I agree with you, but this Mother Jones piece quotes Shoop. Oh yeah. Shoop is one of the sources here. Yes, that's not Shoop is maybe you should be careful quoting Shoop. Okay. So back to, to Jude's piece. So far, by far the dumbest of all of them. Shoot makes wait. Ju- sorry, hold on, hold on. You're saying Jude Doyle yes. wrote something dumb? Yeah, I know it's a shock. You, you want to not take an op- opportunity to take do another take and use less harsh no, language? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say dumb. I'm gonna do Jesus. the D word. Okay, yeah, the, wow. the D slur. Katie's getting a little radicalized. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this, but go ahead. So within this piece, Shoot makes these absolutely insane allegations, and Jude just repeats them. As though they are a fact. Like at one point, Shub claims that Fourth Wave Now, which is an organization that supports parents of kids who exhibit symptoms of... It's like more of a website or blog. I don't even think they're incorporated as like an NGO. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Like an online community. Yeah. Uh, anyway, parents of kids with rapid onset gender dysphoria. Shub claims that Fourth Wave Now was behind the Lisa Littman ROGD study and Lisa Littman was a, quote, front for Fourth Wave Now. What, is, what does that mean? What Shub is claiming is that Lisa Littman, who at the time was a researcher at Brown University, was a was a like front, a figurehead for this parents group, this online website. It, it, is that explain like in Jude Doyle's story? Do, is it explained exactly what is meant by that, or do does Jude just move on? Okay, I'll read you the direct quote from this piece. So first of all, this starts with a statement about Lisa Marciano. Can you explain who who she is? Yeah, she's like a Jungian therapist who's very uh, skeptical of youth transition, basically. All right, so 
And she's written it, and she's written about it. So this is a quote. This is this is uh, Shoop talking. Marciano never explicitly said she's the inventor of ROGD, inventor, but the evidence points to her, and she's listed as a contributor to the Lisa Lemon study on Plus One. She writes to me. That's Shoop writing to Doyle. Quote. My opinion is that Marciano and Fourth Wave Now folks are behind the ROGD study and Lemon merely fronted it for them to make it appear unbiased. I don't really th- – this reflects a lack of understanding of how studies work. So, for example, even to do a study on an online sample, you need institutional review board approval um, and you have to go through all these bureaucratic hoops. The idea that you can just use a legitimate researcher as a front – now, I have no doubt there's some connections there because um, – Fourth Wave Now and and Marciano believe in ROGD, uh, and they and Lisa Lippman recruited from communities of parents who believe in those things. Did you post on Fourth Wave for that first study? I, I always know. forget. There have been so many false accusations. Yes, here we go. To maximize the chances of finding cases meeting eligibility criteria, the three websites. What are you reading from? From the actual paper of, of the yeah. So yeah, Fourth Wave Now was one of the websites she rec- she was looking for moms who thought it it. We don't need to go back to this. It was not It was not a sort of representative sample. People pretended that because she used biased websites, I mean that in a technical, like they were biased. They were websites of parents who were skeptical that their kids should transition. But this was just an initial attempt to gain more information about this alleged phenomenon. So yeah, there's connections between the women, but I don't even really understand this claim that she was a front for them. It just sounds like conspiratorial rambling. It is. It's the rambling of a crazy person. Okay, here's another section. In February 2019, Shub contacted Abigail Schreier, author of the book Irreversible Damage, which argues that the transgender craze is seducing our daughters and causing vulnerable cis girls to transition due to social contagion. Though Schreier proposed a phone call, not much seems to have come of that conversation. Shoot made a slightly more successful pitch to podcaster Katie Herzog to reach out to Shoot multiple times via Twitter DM asking for interviews, but did not end up using any of, Sh- of Shoop's quotes. In both cases, Shoop says, the roadblock was the same. Schreier and Herzog were, quote, invested in selling D-trans women, not males. People like me are inferior sales to sales tools. I mean, two things about that. One is that, and I, I know because we were talking about this before. You, you, you did mention uh, detrans natal males in your detransition piece. So obviously, you're not. This was the piece you did in the stranger that got you in trouble. You're obviously not in, in, uninterested in that group. Second thing is, I, I there were. I think I profiled five or six detransitioners. At least two of them were detrans males. This is just that is an insane susp- supposition. It just it didn't fucking happen. And the problem with this, the reason that this made me so mad is because Jamie Shoup is is saying that I have some sort of political agenda, that my that my choice of stories isn't driven by an interest in the subject, an interest in compelling stories, but that I have a political agenda. And that agenda is selling this idea of damaged women. Right. That's exa- that's a quote from the piece. Which just isn't isn't true. The other thing is if you like listen closely to what you just read. There's no there there. She's like, uh, Shoop is is saying, oh, I reached out to these two other people and I didn't really talk to them. Much. Like, what's the story? A lot of people reach out to a lot of people. That's the thing. There is no story there. But this is a narrative that Jude is trying to sell, that Jamie Shoop was used by a bunch of TERFs and conservative Christians for their own narrative. That's incredibly ironic because that's exactly what Jude is fucking doing. So why didn't you just point that out when Jude reached out to you for comment? Uh, 
<laughs> That's the thing, Jesse. Jude didn't reach out to me for comment. This is 100% made up. What? Jude Doyle cutting journalistic corners? I know. I know. And I was really fucking mad about this. And just so we're clear, the fact that Shub, it's Shub saying it and not Jude Doyle does not let Jude off the hook. It is a reporter's obligation to get verification or at least ask for comment when you're publishing claims that have the potential to hurt someone's reputation. And Jude didn't do that. No fact checking, no request for comment, nothing. This is incredibly shoddy work. Definitely not surprising for anyone familiar with Jude Doyle and Extra, I don't know what Extra Magazine is. It seems sort of tabloidy. Okay, so I saw this yesterday and I got pissed about it. I saw it 24 hours after the piece had already been up almost. So I emailed every editor on the masthead, well, three of them, and I demanded a correction. And I also tweeted about it about 40 times, although Jude blocked me, so I couldn't even correct the record in their mentions. And Jude was, I looked at Jude's Twitter from an incognito browser, and Jude was just like retweeting all of this praise about this fucking article, which did get a lot of traction because it's part of this narrative that is being pushed specifically on Twitter right now that there is some sort of conspiracy involving journalists, turfs, the Christian right, etc. So after I emailed the editor, the editor got back to me pretty quickly within a couple hours and said, you know, we take this seriously, we'll be in touch. But I didn't hear anything for like six more hours. And I was getting more and more pissed about this because the piece was just this lie was just continuing to spread. So Jesse, I, I, I wrote the editor this. Hi, Angela, just checking on a timeline here. The piece has now been up for 24 hours with the blatant falsehood. Jude Doyle has a history of publishing fiction about me, and you are not the first outlet that I've had to ask for corrections corrections due to their shoddy work. I believe this pattern shows malice on Jude's part, and your publication's negligence in either fact-checking or seeking comment is causing me reputational harm and mental anguish. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do you have like a legal... I'm sure you realize how serious this is. <laughs> So you're you're literally you've just Wikipedia the definition of defamation. But also wait, hold on, it's a Canadian publication, so you're not even using the right one. No, 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 no. I did Google defamation in Canada, and it turns out the standard is much lower because you don't have to actually yeah. prove malice in Canada. Okay, so what happened after you threatened to sue them? They fucking corrected it immediately. Mm, I don't know. They add, it looks like this was a, the sentence they added. Herzog disputes Shoup's characterization as to why she didn't include Shoup's comments in her story, stating in an email to Extra that she didn't include Shoup over concerns for her mental health. So first of all, it's shitty. It makes it seem like they did reach out to you and you responded via email rather than... Look at the bottom. Update. After this story was published, Katie Herzog contacted Extra by email disputing Alyssa Ray Shoup's characterization as to why Shoup was left off the story by Herzog. Then they said the founder of Fourth Wave also reached out. I, they, I don't think you want a correction. I think it's like a sort of shitty hidden update, but I mean, take it is shitty, but it is better than anything else I could get. This is it. Like that's the best that you can get It's not a correction. It's a clarification. What I really wanted them to say was that, uh, they updated this because Jude Doyle didn't reach out to me for comment in the first place, which is the real sin here. I, like publishing a crazy person's lies is one thing, but not reaching out to uh, to comment, just regurgitating those lies as though they're fact. That's the real sin here. Also, I'm seeing at the bottom. Wasn't weren't Jude Doyle's pronouns he for a while? I don't fucking know. What have I been saying? Well, I it's they now. I thought it was he. We're not re-recording the whole episode. No. We. Sorry, there was he. It, it was definitely going as a trans guy for a while, right? I don't fucking know. I can't keep up with these people. They have unstable gender identities. Don't I? It's you talking, not me. The point is, we clearly meant to say they <laughs> throughout. And apologies, apologies to Jude Doyle. We'll do a correction. I, Jude yeah. Doyle, like, don't you think 
it's just interesting. So, okay, this is extra magazine. This is not Jude Doyle did at one point write for like big places. I'm, I'm maybe I'm wish casting mm-hmm. here. I feel like that hasn't happened for a while, but at a certain point, if you're going to commission a piece by Jude Doyle, you should just make sure you fact check it pretty carefully. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And after the 18,000 emails that I sent the editors pointing this out, I'm hoping that uh, that they consider that the next time. I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't publish Jude Doyle or maybe they should hire a team of fact checkers to make sure that dude does the just basic Basic work. What was the Whopper? The, again, so I mean, I don't know how familiar newer listeners are. Jude Doyle once said that I uh, like stalked a bunch of trans women, stalked, which is a crime. Um, yes. I've stalked Katie and her family and dog, mm-hmm. but I've never stalked. A trans I'm not woman. trans though. Um, so what was the Whopper in an article in Jen, that medium publication? Doyle basically said that you wrote an article opposed to all youth transition. Do I have that right? Yes, which is why I don't think that Jude Doyle has actually read my article. And I emailed Jude Doyle today through their editor and I asked them a series of questions, one of which was, have you read the detransition article? And the reason is because Jude Doyle in another publication wrote that I argued against all youth transition. That, that article has no fucking... There, no, I didn't. No, that was just a lie. And the fact that Jude Doyle repeated this bullshit about how I'm not interested in tra- detrans males because I have this political agenda. No, if Jude Doyle had read that article, they would know that I have fucking profiled detrans males. And instead of just acknowledging that they fucked up, which is what you should do in a situation like that, Jude continued to push Shoop's lies on Twitter yesterday. So Jude blocked me and never responded to my request for correction or for comment. But they said at one point, this is on Twitter, Herzog now claims she didn't quote Shoop because she was crazy. I can't verify her subjective memory or an opinion, dot, dot, dot. Shoop says the friendship ended when she made a joke that pissed Herzog off. Jesse, does that sound like something I would do? Yeah, classic Katie Herzog huffing off because you're offended by a joke. That makes a lot of sense and, and again, reflects serious research on Jude Doyle's part. Yeah, so Jude didn't say what this joke that I allegedly found so offensive to my delicate sensibilities that I cut off a meaningful friendship like the one that I shared with Alyssa Shoup. But I looked at Shoup's website and she conveniently posted this today. As for the joke that pissed Katie Herzog off, when the Daily Signal released the orchestrated event op-ed that was Shoup's first piece about detransitioning, Herzog scrambled like an ambulance chaser to secure an interview while I was in a media cycle, immediately presenting herself to my Twitter inbox as soon as she became aware of news of my detransition. I was expecting you to arrive. I scolded Katie Herzog with a sarcastic laugh in response. Inflamed by the dressing down and confronted by the truth about herself, she has never since spoken to me. Jesse, I looked back at my DMs with Shoop, but I've got some screenshots for you in our notes here. Do you want to do a little role play? Sure. All right, you be Shoop. I'll start. Oh, I wanted to be you. Hi, Jamie. I'm a reporter for The Stranger, a weekly paper in Seattle, and I'm interested in speaking with you about your decision to revert back to mail. Are you doing interviews? Yes, I've been awaiting you. Lol. I've been hoping you would talk to me. How do you want to do this? Phone? Email? I'm swamped this week, but I should be free by the end of this week. Can we talk next week? That's a weird email, but anyway, can we talk next week? I'm a ways from a cell tower, so if the call drops or is bad, call again, please. Yes, whenever, whenever you're ready. Okay, sounds good. I'll message you on Monday to set up a time. I'll be around. No worries. And then later on, Jamie says, thanks so much, and thank you for the work you do to expose the garbage that is transgenderism. Then Katie responds, yes, transgenderism is garbage, and I hate it. <laughs> Okay, so that thing that Shoop claims ended our non-existent friendship was the literal first thing that she said to me, not the last. Yeah. And Jude, once again, just repeated this liar because Jude 
is a hack. I did, by the way, send Jude a few questions through her editor. I have yet to hear back. Anyway, so annoying as it is that Jude continues to get published after being fucking negligent, what's even worse here is that this entire piece- It's not negligent. It is It is. It willful. is willful. Like if you, it's willful negligence. Yeah. Legal term. I looked that up. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> do, do you think they acted with malice? <laughs> this entire piece that, that Jude published is about how Alyssa Shoup is being used and weaponized by malignant forces, which is exactly what Jude, they self, is doing. Jude is taking advantage of a mentally unstable person who has a constantly changing gender identity for their own agenda. And it's fucking gross. And I will not be surprised in the slightest if Alyssa Shoup re-detransitions in six months and starts calling Jude part of the trans menace and picketing outside their house. (laughs) You know, we should do. If that happens, we should have shoop on and just take everything they say at face value 100 <laughs> percent. welcome the newly re-detransitioned <laughs> jb or whatever shoop welcome on the blocked reporter jude is a fool for using this person as a source and the editors at extra magazine are fools for publishing it and that also goes for kai shivers Shivers, another detransition retransitioner who has recently become a darling of liberal media because she is telling a convenient story that they like. And there's this funny thing that happens where opponents of us and others on this beat claim that we're recycling the detransitioner stories over and over again because there aren't enough of them. They have literally two people they all fucking write about now, and they've both proven themselves to be unreliable narrators. So, as Maya Angelou said, when people show you that they are fucking nuts, don't use them as sources. Yes, that's just as true as it was when she said it in uh, 1794, if memory serves. Um, but Katie, don't you see how your story sort of proves I was right to leave Twitter? How? By your own estimate, you tweeted at or about Jude Doyle 40 times. That was a lie. It was like 10. Okay, still 10. It's 2023. Everyone knows this person is not an honest actor. And I just think it's like a lot of time and energy when what you should have done is just done whatever tweets you need to do to get your point across and then email the editors. And like, I'm being I a hypocrite. That's what I hip- did. No, you tweeted all, you were like really going off. I feel like it. I, look, okay. Yesterday I went for, I did the crossword. I went for a hike. I came home and there was a giant pile of wood chips blocking my driveway. And then I spent the rest of the day shoveling wood chips. This was not like, this didn't consume my day. I'll send you a picture of the wood chips. It's insane. I got self-conscious reading your tweets about Jude Doyle over Why were you reading my tweets? You shouldn't even be on Twitter. I'm allowing myself to occasionally check in on my closest friends. You're my business partner. Your well-being is really important to me financially. If my well-being is important to you financially, you need to fucking get back on Twitter and cause- No, I'm not getting on Twitter. You're like, if I was- Is this how you act with like your friends who are in AA? Are you like, oh, you're not as fun since you stopped drinking? Yes. Probably. Um- Look, I just think I'm being a hypocrite here. I literally just left Twitter. I'm, you know, I've done the same shit you did, but way worse. But I just don't think it gets you anywhere to get down in the muck with these figures. Like, do you think a lot of people who are online enough to see your tweets about Jude Doyle are undecided about Jude Doyle? Like, what's the benefit of just like repeatedly going after them on Twitter? Because I want to cause such a headache for the magazine that they realize that this is what it's like when you work with Jude Doyle. You're trying to deplatform Jude Doyle? Not necessarily, but that would be nice. No, I just want editors to fact check, to ask for comment, to do 
basic due diligence. And if Judy isn't going to do it on her own, editors need to force her to, I'm sorry, force them to do it. But even there, you don't you don't create a headache by tweeting. You would create a headache by emailing them, which... I think that, yes, I think that if, if a magazine becomes the subject of a pile-on, which is what I was trying to do, I wanted my listeners, uh, sorry, I wanted my readers to make a headache for them. So, so you're literally doing... Uh, deplatforming, targeted harassment, and doxing. Yes, I didn't dox, and but murder. the other two. Yes, yes, I'm doing it. Jude Doyle is one of the most noxious presences, just forever, and is a disturbed individual. I, if editors want to commission Jude to write stuff, first of all, I would say like stick to stuff where Jude can't lie or can't harm other people's reputations, won't get you in legal trouble. What could that possibly be? Like recipes? I don't know. Cultures? Doesn't he write about like pop culture bullshit or something? I don't know what Jude Doyle is. Um, Jude the- Doyle could write a fucking music review and it would still include a line about how Je- Jesse Single stalks women. <laughs> Or just like fall. This is a review of Abbey Road by Radiohead. <laughs> Not. Um, I don't want. No, I don't want Jude. I think Jude editors who are stupid enough to commission Jude Doyle to write stuff should just make sure anything involving the gender stuff is fact checked so thoroughly because this is a pattern now. And what extra published was really was extra crazy. It would. That's what it stands for. Extra crazy. Well, look, I agree with you, but I've been on the warpath about this particular incident because it is egregious. And my hope is that if editors realize that this issue is just rife with liars, they'll start doing due diligence. That's probably not going to happen. But just the amount of fucking lies that get repeated on Twitter by people who have published in major magazines, not that Extra Magazine is one of them, but by people who have platforms and who are able to get away with this shit, it is fucking maddening. It is maddening. And I do not think that the the answer to this is to just delete your Twitter account and disappear. I just don't. I'm not disappearing. I've deleted my Twitter account because Twitter is a horrible, irredeemable place or our corner of it. But you're still looking at it. Well, I'm letting myself, as I taper my addiction... A couple times a day, I do like check your account because I'm just like I'm. I'm basically, even though I'm younger than you, you're not. You're savvy. younger than me by three months. You're not savvy enough to navigate the world, so I'm sort of your big brother <laughs> watching over you. It's like it's like with Mormons and that whole God thing. That's you know I'm keeping an eye on you. You don't know I'm there when there were when there was one set of footprints is because I was carrying you. It was it, you were carrying me. You were carrying me. Yeah, I was riding on your back. All right, that's enough about Jude Doyle. Please, please send us ideas for other internet stories uh no well we have a couple good ones in the hopper both of which are not culture worry uh and we're excited to get back to other stuff but yeah it's been a crazy week on twitter we'll see how long i stay off it i do think eventually i'll come up with a solution where i can be on there remember when i sign back give me the keys give me the keys give me the keys when i come back on all my tweets come back all my precious tweets where i said dumb shit will be back and at some point i'll come up with a solution where i can maybe just hire someone to manage it who's not you uh maybe jude doyle would manage it (laughs) Jude probably needs work. You don't even have to pay me. I'll do it for free. I think I think what I've realized is... Why Cuties is the best American kids movie, <laughs> part one of seven. It's not even American. Um, I think what I've realized as I've rapidly aged and approached death's door is I've sometimes failed to take the W from the last few years. Like, I still feel like I need a swing back whenever some idiot on Twitter takes a swing at me when the fact is in many cases I'll be giving them attention they wouldn't have gotten otherwise when I do that. That's not always true. If, you know, the New York Times once ran a column which I thought really distorted something I said, I wrote them a letter to the editor, they published it, I'll respond to shit like that. But like, I increasingly think like, I don't know, man. When we engage with Jude Doyle or like Tom Skoka, do we do we need to? Aren't we lucky to be in a position where we don't have to do that? I completely agree with you. I think you should be above it, but I still don't think you should have deleted your fucking account. 
Okay. Well, this this argument will continue for quite some time, but uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up there. As always, we're produced with help from Jude Doyle. Us hiring Jude as a producer did make this episode more awkward, but you know, he was most qualified. No, uh, this has been blocked reported. We're produced with help from tracing wood grains and the mysterious Lex. I'm Jesse single. And remember, I would like to formally apologize to all the hippos I have violated in the last couple weeks. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, Jesse, give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. No.